Welcome back to the Youth Bible in One Year, day 173. What do you do when life is difficult? Where do you turn? Maybe it's video games, movies or TV shows. Maybe it's hanging out with friends or family. Well, what we should be doing is staying close to Jesus because we will emerge stronger, wiser and more Christ-like. So let's find out why we should respond in this way. He was arrested for preaching the gospel. His wife died, leaving him with four children, one of whom was blind. Yet he refused to give up telling people the good news about Jesus. John Bunyan wrote his greatest work in a prison cell. It has been the source of spiritual inspiration and help to countless readers, translated into over 200 languages. It's never been out of print since the day it was first published, In 1678, Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory which tells the story of a person called Christian on a journey from his hometown to the celestial city. On the way, he faces many difficulties, challenges and obstacles, yet he perseveres faithfully to the end. A Christian life is not easy. You may face many difficulties along the way, but these need not derail you. In fact, as you go through difficult times staying close to Jesus, you will emerge stronger, wiser, and more Christ-like. From Psalm 77 I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favour again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Distress. How should you respond? I have a friend who is now a priest. He told me that he often begins his prayers with a time of complaining. This psalm also begins with the psalmist pouring out his complaints to God. Having a relationship with God does not protect us from distress. The psalmist was awake all night, not a wink of sleep. He feels as if God has rejected him and that he will never experience God's favour again. In this, the first half of Psalm 77, we see how to respond to distress. You can be assured that God listens to your cry. Tell God exactly what you're feeling. I yell out to my God. I yell with all my might. I yell at the top of my lungs. He listens. I found myself in trouble and went looking for my Lord. God likes your honesty. There is a therapeutic effect in asking honest questions. God's people bring their doubts, difficulties and distress to God and question him. Even Jesus on the cross asked a question, quoting Psalm 22 verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God wants you to be real with him. He does not want you to pretend that all is well. He wants to hear the cry of your heart. This draws you close to him, even in times of great distress. Thank you, Lord, that you hear the cry of my heart. Thank you that you do not reject me, that your promises do not fail. 
New Testament from Acts 15. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles should hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No! We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written, After this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of humankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord. Disputes. How should you resolve them? There's nothing surprising about arguments, disputes, and debates in the church today. We read here of a sharp dispute and debate about what was required in order to be fully accepted as a Christian, a member of the church, and to be saved. Was circumcision a requirement? We see here a four-step process for decision-making. This is a great model for dealing with disputes in the local, national, and even global church today. First, call a meeting. Some were insisting that everyone be circumcised. Paul and Barnabas fiercely protested. They called a special meeting to bring the two sides of the debate together. Do not be afraid of conflict. When people come together to talk about issues that matter, it is both natural and productive for disagreement to occur. In fact, that is what makes meetings interesting. Second, consider and discuss. The arguments went on and on, back and forth, getting more and more heated. In the end, two factors swayed the debate. First, their reasoning was based on the experience of the Spirit. Peter's first argument was based on what he'd seen the Holy Spirit doing at Cornelius' house. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them, the Gentiles, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them. To make a distinction would have been to oppose God. This led him to the conclusion, we believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. Second, their reasoning was based on the evidence of the Scriptures. James points out that the Word of God and the Spirit of God are in alignment. 
the words of the prophets are in agreement with this. He shows that the scriptures foretold the inclusion of all the Gentiles and suggests a way forward consistent with following the experience of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of scripture. We can be sure that the word of God and the spirit of God will always be in agreement. What we cannot be sure of is that our understanding of either is correct. Those arguing that everyone should be circumcised did so on the basis of scripture. Peter and James did not set aside the scriptures, but they did argue that they had been misunderstood. Next, come to a decision. In the end, they decided. This was an extraordinary moment in the life of the early church. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. It was a spine-tingling moment which reduced them to silence. At the end of the day, decisions require judgment. The Apostle James says, It is my judgment. The deciding factor was that they did not want to make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. All people were to be invited into the church regardless of their background, although not all practices were allowed. The lesson here is that we need to be very careful about putting unnecessary obstacles in front of people who are exploring faith in Jesus. And we need to be careful about defining the church too narrowly. Finally, communicate the decision. They wrote it down. Minutes of a meeting are not just a formality. It's important to record decisions. Then, as we'll see tomorrow, they need to be communicated. Lord, give us wisdom as we deal with disputes within the church. Thank you that you are pouring out your Holy Spirit again on all parts of the church today. Help us to have the same attitude as you, who made no distinction between us and them. Old Testament from 1 Kings 9-11 to King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's, They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, You must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had seven hundred wives of royal birth and three hundred concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. Decoys. How should you resist them? Solomon's life presents us with a challenge and a warning. Success can be more dangerous for us than failure. Solomon did much that was right. He was highly successful, the richest and wisest king of his day. Everyone wanted to meet him and hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Solomon had everything. In 20 years, he built two great buildings, the temple and his palace. The queen of Sheba was astonished by what she saw. She recognizes it could only be God making you king to keep a just order and nurture a God-pleasing people. Yet the tragedy is that Solomon did not finish well. He was led astray. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. His heart had turned away from the Lord. What went wrong? It started with promiscuity. King Solomon was obsessed with sex. He had 700 royal wives and 300 concubines, a thousand women in all. It ended with following detestable gods. As Solomon grew older, his wives beguiled him. 
with their alien gods. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. He acted contrary to the Lord's explicit command that the king must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. These decoys led Solomon astray. David messed up from time to time. When he did, he repented and turned back to the Lord and followed him wholeheartedly. Solomon shows us something different. 700 wives and 300 concubines do not happen overnight. There must have been compromise in Solomon's heart. In spite of all God's blessings, Solomon allowed sin to breed, and in the end it ruined him. To avoid ending up like Solomon, you need to stay close to Jesus and listen to him. For as Jesus said, the Queen of Sheba came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now, one greater than Solomon is here. Lord, thank you for this warning. Guard my heart. Help me to be fully devoted to the Lord, to follow you completely to the end of my life. Pippa adds, 1 Kings 11 verse 1. How could Solomon, who was such a wise man, be so foolish over women? He was also disobedient. God had said, don't marry women from those places. But Solomon did. God said they would lead him astray, and they did. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you now to come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me in this time that I'm going through now. I lay it at the foot of the cross. I pray that you would come and intercede in my life. I ask that I will emerge stronger, wiser, and more like you today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.